Hello, and thank you for joining the 2020 Water Island Capital Mid-Year Outlook, Finding Common Yield Amid Uncertainty. I'm Jennifer Bloodsworth, the firm's National Account Manager, and joining me today is Greg LaPreet, Portfolio Manager for the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Jen. So in our discussion, we're going to talk about our outlook on the credit markets for the rest of the year. But before we talk about that, Greg, maybe you could bring us forward with what's happening in the markets and where they stand right now. Yeah, sure. Um, it's really been uh, an unbelievable first quarter of the year and, and now into the second quarter. And if you recollect back in back in the first quarter, really at the beginning of March, uh, COVID came along. Um, the markets melted down. We had massive illiquidity. We had fear in the markets. People didn't know what to do with their investments. They didn't know what was going to happen uh, with this healthcare crisis. And so what we really had was almost like a mini 2008 in the sense that uh, liquidity had dried up and it forced um, central banks to step in. And so what we saw was really unprecedented action of the Federal Reserve. Um, they stepped in. They created or at least cleared up a lot of the, lot of the bottlenecks that existed in the treasury market um, and some of the other funding markets. And then really the big event for where we invest more in the corporate area, uh, investment grade and high yield and the like, is they stepped in and said that they were going to be uh, uh, buying ETFs and um, separate bond issues for certain issuers, uh, whether investment grade or high yield. And that was really the, the point, uh, really in late March uh, and early April, where the market started to, to spring back. So we went through that crisis during March. Um, there was a lot of fear in the markets at that time, as I said. And now we're at a point where markets have really retraced a fair amount of, of the losses of March. And so we're at a point here where there has been a pullback, I've noticed, in the last week or two. Um, things are a little bit softer out there, and I think that's more of a reflection of we don't know where we're going. So we're at a point where uh, it's not businesses open everywhere, but we definitely see some optimism out there with um, with people now going back to work businesses opening, um, and that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, we, we still have uh, COVID out there. We're not sure what path the, that uh, the virus is going to take. Um, so I think we're at that point where uh, caution is probably still warranted. Sure. You you mentioned the word unprecedented, and that has been kind of a theme for the year in a, in a lot of aspects of our lives. Greg, given all of that as the PM of our Credit Opportunities Fund, how have you been able to find calm for investors in this environment? Um, really good question. Um, it, it really goes back to, to the beginning of the year. Um, we entered the year with a fair amount of our book um, in merger-related types of situations that are more governed by merger agreements and, and, and really based on when a deal is going to close more than anything. So I think the portfolio was in decent shape going into, into March. We also had some specific hedges on positions. We had some macro hedges on. So up to that point, we'd done pretty well. Um, so the real question is, well, what, what did we do in the middle of March when everybody was selling? And really, there were two things that we did. I mean, there were there was a ton of noise out there, and we heard it from media, television, radio, whatever your whatever your source is, and it was so negative and so negative and just so negative. And our job really was to try to filter as much of that noise uh, as we could, um, and to make sure that the portfolios were battened down, that the defenses were strong. And so we did the, we set up our defenses really going into, into March. But while we were in March, 
we doubled down on a few things. And, and what I mean by that is um, we, we really dug into merger agreements. We dug into debt covenants. We made sure that our hedges were satisfactory. And then the other thing that we did is we looked through every single position and we kept those names that we thought were money good. And anything that we saw a problem with, um, we either rehedged it or we, uh, in a few cases, we ended up selling, selling bonds. And so we were in a pretty good state just for uh, being in a defensive stance. Um, but then the next thing that we really had to do is we had to think about through all the, all the, uh, the carnage that was out there, um, the dislocations in the market, we had to start looking for opportunities. And so there were a couple places that we did that. And, you know, the first place and what happens in a market like we had is a lot of times the yield curve will invert, meaning people need to raise cash. And the easiest way for them to do that is to sell the shortest dated securities, whether it's bonds or, or, uh, or loans or whatever it might be. So that causes a downward pressure on those short duration prices and it pushes up the yield. So in a lot of cases, your short term yields were greater than uh, your longer term yields. So we took that as our, our first opportunity. And as you know, we're, we're very focused on short duration. And so what happened there is we wanted to have a degree of safety, but also capture some yield. And so we went out and we tried to find any type of first lien secured paper that were in industries that were not impacted by COVID. So a lot of technology, um, for example. And we were able to find some names for the portfolio that were yielding somewhere between 8 and 10%. But the nice thing is that they were less than a year and a half in, in duration uh, to maturity. And on top of that, they were top of the capital stack uh, as first lien. So that was the first place that we looked. The second place was really our knowledge of, of mergers and acquisitions. And as I told you before, we had dug into the merger agreements even more deeply, looked at covenants and so forth. And anywhere where there were dislocations in those types of bonds and deals that we still liked and we thought that we were going to close, that there was a lot of strategic rationale, we ended up buying those bonds uh, at, at pretty steep discounts. So those are the two two parts right there um, where we started to, to nibble on some things in, in late March and then early April. And then we had some really unique situations because you saw investment grade that was getting pushed out. Um, so you had names like uh, Walt Disney because of their theme parks getting shut down and movie theaters. Spreads on that name had gone out over 100% uh, in some cases. And then when you got into into April and into May, um, there were situations uh, with a lot of the refinancings that companies were coming to market uh, to raise funds for. And one of the biggest names there were, was Boeing. Um, Boeing essentially came to market um, after really shunning the U.S. government. They didn't want the U.S. government to fund them um, for, for reasons of um, really corporate governance. I don't think they wanted anybody from, from Washington to be on their boards or dictating what they're going to do with the money. So they came to um, they came to the market, the corporate credit markets, really to shore up liquidity. And they, in fact, they needed about 12 billion uh, to meet their liquidity needs, and, and the market ended up giving them about 25 billion. And so that was great for great for Boeing uh, for the short and medium term. It shored up their liquidity, but it was also pretty interesting for investors because the spreads on Boeing at that time. I mean, historically, if you just take something like a five-year CDS on Boeing um, prior to last year. Um, you're talking five-year CDS was around 30 basis points. So that's really low. And at the time that we were looking at these bonds, those spreads on, on five-year, 10-year, 30-year bonds were north of uh, 450 to 500 basis points. So really big opportunity for companies like that. So that's really what we did um, during that time to, to push us out. And so I think one of the interesting things about it is that we were – 
I think we did an okay job uh, during March in, in keeping things pretty tight um, relative to high yield, relative to equities. Um, but I think the nice thing is that we were able to look through that noise and invest in some of those situations. So when we had that snapback in April and May and, and even to the beginning of June, um, we were able to perform pretty strongly and give investors back uh, everything and, and then some. So uh, that's that's really what we've been doing. That's great to hear. So, Greg, given the short duration of the fund, it's currently generating a pretty attractive yield. How should that be viewed in this kind of environment, and what things do you think investors need to be aware of going forward? Well, the we really don't govern to a specific yield. I mean, I like to think of ourselves as total return, whether it's cap gain with some yield in there. Um, but you're right, I and mean, we were probably navigating in a 4 4.5% type of, of current yield for the portfolio. But I think going forward, I think what's important to keep in mind is, you know, people should be cautious in the market. I think the, the best thing to do when you're cautious is to look for short duration, um, look for higher quality. Um, those are good places to hide in a type of market. So I think because we do look at short duration, um, and even though I talked about some of the inversions that can go on with yields, um, if our the catalysts and the events that we're investing in, if those pan out, let's say, in the next three months or six months, then those bond positions that we have should be redeemed within that time period. And that gives you almost a quasi-pull-to-par where the company redeems the bonds. So I would say, uh, just to reiterate, that, that caution is warranted. Um, I think short duration, high quality is, is a better place to be. And as far as just uh, things that I'm looking at into into the really at the end of the summer, um, I mean, one, with COVID, we really don't know the path that it's going to take. Um, we're seeing some issues down in Texas and in Florida and so forth, so we have to watch those closely. Um, but going out toward the fall, I think uh, it hasn't really hit the market yet, but I think we're uh, going to see some volatility around the elections. And I'm not to, I'm not to say that uh, if, if Biden gets elected president, that would be – uh, anything good or bad, I think it's more that Biden would probably be a relatively middle-of-the-road type of candidate um, and maybe take some of the volatility out of the market in that fashion. But I think the bigger concern for the markets is that if we uh, if we have some type of um, Democratic House, um, Senate, and the White House, then I think the market gets a little bit nervous. Um, I mean, sadly, the market likes no change, and so if they see a Republican White House and a Republican Senate and a Democratic House, then they're okay with that. Um, so I think the election is something that we're going to all start to watch, and we have to look for, for volatility there. So, Greg, in addition to those thoughts, are there any specific areas of the market that you'll be focusing on? There are. Um, just to just to refresh everybody's um, understanding of the fund, we're definitely a catalyst-driven fund. And so what we do is we focus on catalysts and events to drive the opportunity set for the portfolio. And one of the areas that we're, we as a firm and, and specifically in this portfolio that we, we focus on a great deal are mergers and acquisitions, um, refinancings. We look at uh, speculative M&A, uh, and we also look at um, things like corporate reorganizations. So Going out to the end of this year, um, I think we can probably expect to see mergers and acquisition activity start to pick up again. Um, I think it's been relatively muted during the, the healthcare crisis. Um, I think we'll start to see spec M&A, and what, what I mean by spec M&A is that buyers and sellers um, will start to get together, but they'll probably be pretty far apart, 
but they will hire bankers and they will look at different strategic alternatives. Um, so that's an area where we uh, can look at some of the bond situations. Um, and then on top of that, probably a continuation of the refinancing activity that we've seen in the market. Through April and May, we saw a lot of companies coming to market that really needed to shore up liquidity for uh, for their businesses. So I think that that activity will probably continue um, going into the third and fourth quarter. And then something to keep keep in mind uh, as it relates to refinancing activity and certainly mergers and acquisitions is you know, private equity still has uh, billions and billions of dollars of capital that they they need to put to work. And so I think that private equity, particularly if equity prices are, are somewhat um, lower than they are currently, um, that's going to attract some private equity dollars. And right now, with the capital market still open, um, I think it's it's probably a good bet that uh, private equity is going to come back later this year and start to initiate some of these things. Um, the last area that I'd say that we'll be looking at, and this is really going to be on an ad hoc basis as the opportunity comes up, but here we're looking at uh, any type of um, any type of corporate reorganizations. And here we're talking about um, bankruptcies. We're talking about post-reorg. And that's probably going to be created in some of the sectors that we know, whether it's airlines, travel, energy. Um, we're going to probably be taking a look at those types of things. And not that that's a large part of our portfolio, and, and we do have a unique way that we play those situations. Um, we tend to get in later in the game after after a, uh, a reorg has, has occurred, after a um, restructuring agreement has been signed, it's in front of a judge. Um, we know what each of the parties is going to receive coming out of bankruptcy, so we, we kind of have a, a less risky way of, of looking at those assets, uh, looking at those types of investments. Um, but I think those are all things that we're going to be looking at later this year. Great. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time and your thoughts today. My pleasure. Again, we've been speaking with Greg LaPree, Portfolio Manager of the Water Island Credit Opportunities Fund, ticker ACFIX. For those listening who may not be familiar with Water Island Capital, we are an asset manager with a proven 20-year track record in event-driven strategies across public mutual funds, private investment vehicles, and a recently launched ETF, allowing clients to choose the best format for their exposure. For timely insights on the market, please subscribe to our Notes from the Desk newsletter at arbitragefunds.com. And for more information on us, our funds, or our upcoming investment team call later this summer, please call our resource desk at 800-560-8210.